0: Hope is a wonderful gift from God. We all need some hope, don't we? And it is a source of strength and courage for us. Today, we're continuing a series we we kicked off last week about hope. And we all need more hope in our lives. You know, hope is the thing that kind of keeps us going. Uh, When we are struggling, hope helps us to persevere beyond our pain. When we are overworked, Uh, Hope gives us fresh energy to face the challenges that are before us. When we're abandoned, hope helps us to remember that we're not alone. When we're unemployed, hope gives us that sense of security that we still have a future. Uh, And when we say our final farewell to loved ones, hope is the thing that reminds us that in eternity we will see them again. We all need hope. We all need hope. And the Christmas story is a story that reminds us of hope. We've titled this series, Hope is Here, because everything centered around the birth of Jesus related to hope. Uh, God had made a promise many years before that one day his son, the Messiah of the world, would come into the world and would redeem humanity. And I love the definition of hope as, as simply this, a confident expectation That God is going to move. We don't always know what God is going to do, but we can be confident that God is going to do something. And when God shows up, it's powerful and it is wonderful. So we live with that confidence and with that assurance. In fact, scientists tell us that hope releases endorphins in the body. Uh, It actually releases a a, a chemical, the feel-good chemical, endorphins, into our mind. We feel better when we have hope. We have uh, better relationships. We have a better attitude. We have more more expectation for the future when we have hope. So we all need that hope. Um, One of the great characters in the Bible that had hope was a guy named Simeon. Simeon is an old man, and in Luke chapter 2, we find that he has been waiting for the birth of Jesus for many, many years. The scripture doesn't really tell us how old Simeon is, but the implication is he's a very elderly old man. A lot of commentators think he's maybe like 80 or 90 years old. And uh, God has spoken to him that he's not going to die until he sees the birth of the Messiah. And so he has this great hope in his his heart, this expectation. I'm going to see the Son of God before I die and day after day, year after year, decade after decade, he's looking for Jesus. He's going into the temple, and he's looking at all the babies that are being dedicated. He's meeting all the families. He's looking for Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. I think I would get discouraged after, you know, the first few months of of looking for the Messiah. But there's something in the heart of Simeon. That keeps him going. I mean he has a hope from God. God's given him a promise. God's given him a word. God's given him an expectation. And so. Man he's not he's not disheartened. Can you imagine looking in the temple. at all the babies coming in to be dedicated. Oh is that the son of God? No that's an ugly baby right there. That can't be Jesus. He's looking around and just filled with hope and with expectation to see the birth of this baby. Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, and they had to travel 140 miles. You can just imagine, this probably took like a week in the ancient world where they did not have modern transportation. This was a devout Jewish family. Mary and Joseph are doing what, what was done with all Jewish boys like Jesus, and. And and dedicating him at the temple. So they've made this great journey. This is a big deal. They finally have gotten to the big city. The city of Jerusalem. The temple. They've traveled from that little town of Nazareth. That has a population of probably maybe like 50 or 100 people. A little bitty town that most people in the ancient world hardly even knew where it was. But they've made that trek. And they're there. And Simeon is there. And Simeon is looking for Jesus, You know, every day of our life, we should be looking for Jesus. We should be looking for Jesus in the home. We should be looking for Jesus at church. We should be looking for Jesus in the community everywhere we go. One time I was talking to my kids about this when they were very little. And the uh, following day, they were scurrying around in the basement. They were opening all the closets. They were digging around the garage. And I was like, kids, what are y'all doing? And they said, Dad, you told us we should be looking for Jesus every day. I thought, well, that's a great start. You know, we're looking for Jesus. Simeon's looking for Jesus. He has hope. He has expectation. I hope you're looking for Christ in the story in this uh, Christmas season that we're experiencing. Now, the Holy Spirit is one of the things that gives us great hope. And you can't really study the story of the birth of Jesus without looking at the impact of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In fact, the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 1 verse 15 um, is there when Gabriel announces that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit and prepare the way for the coming of Christ. It was the Holy Spirit who caused Christ's conception with Mary. Okay, Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who prompted Elizabeth to announce Christ's presence within Mary. Uh, It was the Holy Spirit who spoke to Zechariah, announcing that his son, John the Baptist, would be Christ's herald and prepare the way for him. It was the Holy Spirit uh, that spoke to Simeon that said that Joseph and Mary would bring Jesus to the temple. So the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And I want to submit to you today that if we're going to have the Christmas that God wants us to have, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need a Spirit-filled Christmas to have a hope-filled Christmas. And how can I experience real hope? Well, it starts with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now look at this passage here in Luke 2.25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was what? It was on him, right? Simeon was a man that that had the Holy Spirit on him. In the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for a season or a task or a time. But after Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came to reside in the hearts of people. And so if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and, we, and, and, and the Christian journey is about allowing the Holy Spirit to have control of our life, but He is there if you're in Christ. So, so Simeon is a man that is filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is running out the ears of Simeon. He is a man that has the Holy Spirit all over him, and he's consumed by the Spirit. And spirit-filled living is living from the inside out, not the outside in. Now, see, a lot of people get this mixed up. We try to live from the outside in. That's religion. That's a checklist. If I'm going to be a Christian, I'm supposed to do this, check. I'm supposed to do that, check. I'm supposed to do this over here. Outside in, religion. Inside out living is where the Holy Spirit consumes you and gives you a new nature and a new desire and you start to do things that are uncharacteristic of yourself. You, you start to say things. You start to do things. You start to have desires to do things that you never had before. Why? Because it's the life of Jesus in you that is coming out. And so that's why people get these things mixed up. Sometimes I talk to people who say, pastor, I, I would be a Christian. It's just too hard. Maybe you've thought that before. Maybe somebody said that to you. It's too difficult. I can't keep the Ten Commandments. And you know, there's part of that that is so true. By yourself, you cannot live the Christian life. But here's the great news. When the Holy Spirit is within you, you have the divine empowerment of Jesus that is giving you the new nature to do what you can't do by yourself. So that's a spirit-filled life, not a religious life, not a religion-filled life, a life that says, I got to do these things, I got to follow these tasks, I got I to keep this list. No, when the Holy Spirit is within you, man, you begin to just do the things that God has purposed and called you to do. This is Simeon, man. The Holy Spirit is on this guy. He's a powerful man. The Apostle Paul spoke a little bit about this in Ephesians 5.18. He he illustrated this for us. It says, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's interesting that Paul compares the Spirit-filled life with being drunk. Now, who would have thought it, right? This sounds like two opposite things, doesn't it? And they are in many ways, but... But they have some commonalities. How does a drunk person stay drunk? They got to keep drinking, right? And, and when you keep drinking, then you, then you stay drunk. Guess how you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You got to keep drinking. You got to keep drinking of the Holy Spirit. And he says, listen, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be, be intoxicated With the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Now, a couple of things. This verb in the language of the New Testament is a powerful verb. And I'm going to give you a couple of insights, a couple of nuggets, just from Ephesians 5.18, this concept of be filled. Um, Number one, it's it's a plural verb, which means all of us need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Sometimes we talk about Spirit-filled Christians and other Christians, but the reality is all Christians should be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just for some and not for others. The Holy Spirit is for you. It's for all of us. Uh, also, it's an imperative, which means a command. It's like when you tell your kids, take out the trash. It's not up for debate. It's not up for, for, for conversation. You just need to, you just need to do it, right? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. We've been commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in the present tense, which means it's a continual action. Every day, I have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not like one time I drink of the Spirit and then like, yes, I'm good. Every day, man, we got we to gotta get filled up. We got to keep drinking. It's continual. And it's also in the passive voice, which means that the subject... God is the one who does the filling. We don't fill ourselves. We need the Lord. We gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit. Simeon is a man that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, my wife has a problem. And she said I could share this with you. She oftentimes runs out of gas. She has an aversion to to pumping the gas. You know, she just hates to do that. And when we first got married... Um, I was driving this really cool black Camaro. Can I brag brag for a little bit? It was a really awesome car. My wife was driving a Honda Accord. You know, it's an okay car. She decided it was cooler, she was a school teacher, to drive to school in the Camaro than it was to drive the Honda Accord. So she left before I did in the morning, so she would just take my car. And she loved driving it. Oh man, it was a fun car to drive. There's a big difference, though, between a Chevy Camaro and a Honda Accord. One of the differences is that the gas gauge in a Honda Accord goes to zero when you have about 50 miles left. So you have lots of time to kind of plan out when you want to fuel the tank. In the Camaro, when it goes to zero, guess what that means? That means it's it. There is nothing left. In addition to not liking to pump gas, in addition to driving a car she wasn't familiar with, my wife also runs late. She's about 10 or 15 minutes late everywhere that she goes. And one time I asked her, I said, babe, why are you always so late? And she, she pointed to herself and she said, this doesn't just happen. I thought, you know, that's an excellent point. You know, I haven't argued with that since then. You know, that's right. You look great, babe. And if it takes a few extra minutes, then awesome, you know. So so my wife runs late. She's running out of gas going to school. This happens several times. She calls me stranded, panicked, you know. One time she went to get lunch in the middle of the day and she ran out of gas just a few blocks from her school that she was teaching at and the principal had to help her push the car back into the parking lot and always running out of gas. The Christian life filled with the Holy Spirit, will never lead us to run out of fuel. God wants us to fill that tank up all the way. It reminds me of a friend that I have. I have a friend, he now is a CPA, which maybe that tells you a little bit about my friend. Um, back when he was in school, he always wanted to have his, his gas tank full. So if we went somewhere and, and like he used like a fourth of a tank of gas... He would always have to stop by the gas station and put a fourth of a tank back in. So it was always on full. We used to give him the hardest time about being so anal about his gas. But he always had a full tank. And we always wanted to ride with him because he always had the most fuel. That's a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Sometimes the tank... Goes empty, but we have to keep filling it up. And when we keep filling it up, by the power of God, we can live a spirit filled life. Life that's full of the Holy Spirit. Christmas is a time that we should experience and celebrate the filling of the Spirit. How can we do it? Well, Galatians chapter 5 gives us some insight into how we can fill our spiritual tanks. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what's against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so you don't do what you want. In other words, if you want to live a spirit-filled life, you have to feed the spirit in your heart. If you feed your flesh, i.e. sinning, then you get flesh out. If you don't like the outcome of your life, if you don't like the way that you talk to your family and... And some of the decisions and the choices that you're making, ask yourself the question what's coming in? Because what's coming in is gonna dictate what goes out. And Paul says if you put flesh in, you get flesh out. If you put spirit in, you get spirit out. So, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? I gotta continually drink of the Spirit. And when I do that, I get, I get spiritual results. Isn't that beautiful? Bill Bright used to say, the way that we stay filled with the Holy Spirit is we exhale. That's confessing sins to God. And we inhale, which is living by faith. And when we inhale and exhale, we'll live the Spirit-filled life. But guess what? It moves on beyond that. Not only am I filled with the Holy Spirit, if I'm gonna have great hope, I have to be guided by the Spirit i got to be guided by the Spirit. Now look look back at the verse here. In verse 26, um, it says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before the Lord's Messiah. So God's revealed it to him. Simeon's going to see the birth of Jesus before he dies. And then in verse 27, Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for what was customary under the law, which was like a, a dedication of the baby. Of the, the baby boy. And he's revealed, the Holy Spirit reveals and guides Simeon. Man, this whole experience that Simeon has with Jesus is about the Holy Spirit. Now sometimes God will reveal things to you. God will just put it in your heart. God will just speak to you by the Holy Spirit. I've never heard an audible voice before, but, but, but I often hear like promptings or urges or I have thoughts and desires. Sometimes those are my thoughts, but sometimes those are the thoughts of the Holy Spirit. And God revealed it to him. Simeon, you're going to see Jesus. You're going to see the baby before you die. It wasn't until later that God gave the detail. There he is. He revealed it to him. Sometimes God will speak generally about where we're going. And then when the appropriate time comes in, he'll speak specifically. So sometimes we don't know exactly how that's going to happen. You know, sometimes we ha- God puts something in our heart and we have a thousand questions. Okay, well, where's the baby Jesus going to be? What's he going to look like? What are his parents like? When do I need to be there? You know, they come in s- morning, afternoon, evening. What, You know, you could just imagine the questions in Simeon's own heart. But God reveals it to him and God directs him. And when your life is guided by the Holy Spirit, you will be in the places that God has purposed and called you to be in. Um, We love to lead our church by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm always praying and asking, God, show me by the Holy Spirit what our church needs to be doing. Every decision that we make is a decision that we make by the Holy Spirit the best that we can. The best that we can understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And oftentimes the Holy Spirit will speak over time. Sometimes he will speak instantly in a moment. I I remember a few years ago I was on a bus and I had a whole group I was taking skiing. And everybody was asleep on the bus and I had my one little night light on. The, The bus was pitch dark. And I had my one little light on and I was reading this book. It was a Christian leadership book. Everybody's asleep, and I just felt impressed as I was reading that book that I needed to start a church. Big tears started coming down my cheeks, you know? And I'm not like a super emotional, touchy-feely kind of guy, but in that moment, I knew that the Holy Spirit was saying it was time to start the church. Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you ever had a moment where God just puts something in you and like this is this is the Lord? I can't get away from it. One of the reasons I know the Lord's speaking to me by the Holy Spirit is when it keeps coming up. You know? If it's just something that comes up one or two times, a lot of times that's my ideas. But if I can't get away from it, is that the Holy Spirit? Day after day after day. Lord, I wasn't even praying about that. I wasn't even thinking about that. And I'm getting this this spiritual desire and this nudge to move this direction. This is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is how it works. Uh, Now, listen, we should not become so super spiritual that we think that every time we go to the bathroom, the Holy Spirit has to lead us, you know? I mean, there are times where you just do things that you just know you just need to do. And you don't have to be... Dictated by the Holy Spirit to help your kids with their homework or to, you know, take out the trash or to do things like that. Uh, a mentor of mine always says, don't, don't normalize the spiritual and don't spiritualize the normal. Amen? We got to keep what's spiritual, spiritual. And what's not spiritual, let's don't try to make it spiritual. Because if you do that, you become super spiritual And you become a spiritual weirdo. But the Holy Spirit will guide us. He'll direct us. He's guiding Simeon. He's directing Simeon. And we don't have to tell people every time that the Holy Spirit leads us and directs us. Sometimes we just need to go and do what it is. Um, Look at John 14, 26. Um, To be guided by the Spirit means to look to the Word of God. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send you in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've already told you. These are the words of Jesus. In other words, spirit and word work together. If somebody ever says, the Spirit of God led me to do this, and it's the opposite of the Bible, then you go, oh, no, 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 no. That isn't the Holy Spirit. That may be some other kind of spirit. That isn't the Holy Spirit. So so the Holy Spirit and the word of God work, whoosh, they're parallel. They work together. And Jesus said, "Listen, the Spirit is going to remind you of what I've already told you." I mean, a lot if you if you're a Bible reader or a Bible studier, the Holy Spirit a lot of times is just taking the word of God and just helping apply it into your heart and into your life. So that's what it means to be guided by the Spirit. But listen, when you're filled with the Spirit and guided by the Spirit, you'll be used by the Spirit. Amen. Who would like to be used by the Holy Spirit? Is that an awesome thing? This Christmas, how wonderful is it to think about being used by the power of the Holy Spirit? Look at the rest of the passage. Verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. And he said, now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised for my eyes of senior salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples a light for a revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what had been said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and he told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So God uses Simeon to encourage and to bless Mary and Joseph. Notice it it says there that uh, that he blessed them. I mean, you know, when the first time I read this, I thought, well, it it probably says he blessed him, meaning Jesus. But, But Simeon blessed the whole family. Now think about it. Mary and Joseph are this young teenage couple... They were they conceived by the Holy Spirit, but I am certain that not everybody thought that this baby was from God. They probably thought that Mary and Joseph had gotten pregnant before they were married. And people were very suspicious of that in the ancient world. And so there was probably a lot of gossip and a lot of concern and a lot of, yeah, right. You know, yeah, sure, it was the Holy Spirit kind of stuff going on. Mary and Joseph, they're young. They're like 13, 14, 15 years old. They need some encouragement. You know, you can be doing the will of God, but that doesn't make it easy. Sometimes you need spirit-filled people to come alongside you and to encourage you in the purposes and plans of God. And this is what Simeon is doing. Um, In verse 29, it says that uh, he would would not die until he saw the birth of Jesus. Now, is there anything more wonderful than dying and knowing that you fulfilled the purposes and the plans that God had for you? Is that wonderful? I mean, nobody's looking forward to dying, but when we do die, wouldn't it be great to say, you know what, I did what the Lord asked me to do. I'm out. (laughs) In verse 25, it says, The Holy Spirit was on him. And then in verse 34, it says, Simeon blessed them. So when the Spirit of God empowers us, it 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 empowers me, it enables me to bless others. Spirit-filled living is never about me as much as it is about giving glory to God and about blessing other people. It's not about puffing myself up. It's about blessing others. It's about helping others. And verse 33 says, Joseph and Mary were amazed. Now, they had already had the visit from Gabriel that told them that Jesus was coming. but, But they were amazed. I mean, come on, man. Sometimes we need some encouragement. They're like, this is amazing. We don't even know this guy. And the Holy Spirit sent him to come and encourage us. And we're scared. And we don't know what we're doing. And we traveled all this way. And we never even asked God. You know, it wasn't like... God was taking resumes for people to be the parents of the Son of God. And Joseph and Mary, you know, whipped up a piece of paper and said, God, we feel like we're fully qualified to to raise your son, Jesus, and and here's our qualification. No, God picked them. (laughs) They're scared out of their mind. But you know what, they were blessed that day when Simeon said, hey, you know what, you're on the right path, you're doing the right thing, this is going to be hard, this is going to be difficult, but you do what God's called you to do, and they were amazed. Now the prophecy that, that's given to them is kind of interesting, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the prophecies we love are like in the Old Testament where it says his name will be called Mighty Counselor and Prince of Peace and, and Almighty God and, and other things like that, and we're like, yes, we love those prophecies. But look at this prophecy. This prophecy was one that was, that was unusual. Look, look, look at it there in verse 35. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Um, in verse 34 he says, Indeed the child is destined to be cause, the cause of the fall and the rise of many in Israel. And to be a sign that he will be opposed. In other words, you know what? The life that Jesus is going to live is going to be filled with opposition and hardship. Now, nobody likes prophecies like that, but aren't we thankful that God will tell us the truth? I mean, come on, somebody. It's going to be hard. Jesus is going to be loved and he's going to be hated. He's going to be celebrated. He's going to be opposed. Man, sometimes we just need God to tell it to us the way that it it really is. And and so Mary and Joseph receive this blessing and this encouragement. But they also get some direction as, as to the path that Jesus is going to be on. Boy, it's going to be hard. One day he's going to be crucified and he's going to be resurrected. One of the greatest indicators of the spirit-filled life is a focus on others, and Simeon is an encourager. Now, he probably has the gift of prophecy and the spiritual gift of of exhortation, which is encouragement. And if you have the spiritual gift of exhortation, you like to encourage people. When people have problems, you're like, okay, let me help you. You need to do one, two, and three. That's the spiritual gift of exhortation. Simeon has this. He's he's giving a word of prophecy, and he's giving a word of exhortation. Part of the way that the Spirit-filled Christian is used by God is in and through their spiritual gifts. And God has given you gifts, and when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can have a supernatural impact on people. Maybe you have the gift of mercy. I mean, you just have compassion that, that, that it's from God. It's not from you. And it's amazing, and people always want to come and tell you their problems, and they want you to empathize and to to show mercy to them, because you've been empowered by God to do that. Even non-believers look at you, and they're like, man, I want to talk to her. That's the gift of mercy. And God will use you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, your your spiritual gifts are hard to use, because the tank's on empty. But when the tank is full, God begins to do supernatural things in and through you. My wife has the gift of teaching. She teaches Christian basics to people that have, you know, want to get their spiritual foundation solid. And she's, she's fantastic at that. There's great fruitfulness that comes um, from that. Um, some of you have the spiritual gift of giving. Every time we have an offering, you're like, yes, you know. The giving people in our church are always saying, Pastor, what can we give money to? You know, it's, an, it's, a, it's a spiritual gift. Now, some of you, that sounds like a spiritual curse. You know, you're thinking, whoa. But, and God does want us to tithe and to give to offerings and things like that, even if that's not our spiritual gift. God wants us to be faithful and just like God wants us to be merciful, even if that's not our gift, that's true. But you have a supernatural capacity and desire to give. And it makes you feel great when God uses you in and through giving. Use the gifts that God's given to you. If you have the gift of mercy and teaching, then express it. If you have the gift of exhortation and generosity, then express that. Let the, let the life of Jesus fill you and pour out and, and let him use you in whatever way that he wants to do that. We, we will work more on this in our 301 class if you want to come to that class Will help train you and equip you in your spiritual gifts and to help your life find purpose in and through the things that God's called you to do. Um, Jan Harrington's one of our staff members now. One time um, many years ago, a Christian leader before she was in our church told her that she didn't have any spiritual gifts, you know? And, and we were talking about that the other day, and I thought, you know, what first of all, what a terrible thing to say to somebody. <laughs> but second of all, is there anything more absurd than that? And Jan is a wonderful Christian leader and God uses her in our church in so many different ways. Um, You have spiritual gifts. You may feel like, I don't know what my gifts are or I'm not very gifted, but I can guarantee you, if you will walk with God, God will reveal himself in some very powerful and wonderful ways. And whatever your gifts are, leadership, teaching, mercy, exhortation, giving, or many others. Listen, God's going to do great things in your life and through the lives of other people. This Christmas, let's, let's celebrate Christmas like never before. As we think about the filling and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, God wants you to be filled. God wants you to be guided and God wants you to be used. And all those things are at our fingertips. If we will allow the Holy Spirit to work within us, will you pray with me for a moment?